friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my hideously burned, obnoxiously monologuing, child abusing therapist and co-host, Alex Dandino! Evil. No, okay. Guys, some business before we start this jaunt into Halloween Town again. Um, as always, please take a second and leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcast app. That helps us out enormously. We've seen an influx of these. Thank you guys so much for that. Get at us on all the social media. We are wherever you are. We love communicating with you guys. Thank you for that as well. Your movie-loving friends, give us a shout-out. Share us on your timelines. Help spread uh, this Film Alchemist podcast around. That also means the world to us. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, with your ideas for movies you'd like to see us cover. New, old, themes, double features, guest hosts. Uh, your selection for when we stuff your stocking in December, which is when we do uh, Listener Selection Month. We've already Anything got one. like that, please reach out to us. Also, you may see our lovely faces as well as hear our voices on our YouTube channel. Nerd Alchemist. All right. Guys, you know we are just deep into the uh, grave that leads to the river of this month. Um, Every day this month, a new horror film for you. Right now, we are in the midst of our journey through Haddonfield and the psyche of Michael Myers. Tonight we arrive, Halloween 5, the revenge, question mark of Michael Myers. I don't know what the fuck he's revenging. Um, That's something we can discuss as the show goes on. This is, this to me is where the proverbial wheels on the stolen sanitarium car come off a bit. Um, This is the film where we are introducing more and more Friday the 13th tropes Mm -hmm. this is where halloween lost its way to me a little bit um also the mask is equally as terrible as part four by far this is the worst uh, the actor is not wearing as many pillows and stay puff marshmallow man things under his uh satanic mechanic suit alex walk me through your initial impressions on halloween five I mean, to me, it's pretty rare you get an opening sequence for Michael Myers where it's Dark Knight of the Soul, you know? Like, he just slowly floats down the river, like, what have I been done with my life? How has it come to this? How strange is that? Because I thought the same thing. I was like, seeing Michael <laughs> Myers crawl through a pit like Rambo and then come out, like, watching Michael Myers float and kind of swim. It was very Shawshanky. Was really surreal. <laughs> It was very, I was really expecting Morgan to be like, Michael Myers, who came out a river of shit and came out clean the other side. Like, that kind of shit. Like, it was very, like, with the music, too, like, super kind of contemplative. It was kind of strange. I was like, what is going on with this guy? He's probably choking on water because his mask is still on. Yeah, right? He still has that mask. Uh, He did just survive 85 million bullet shots, so maybe the water is coming out of those holes. I don't know. Like a fucking cartoon. Um, worse retcon before a sequel. Halloween five, where instead of Michael Myers falling into a hell mouth, 
He is, he falls into an empty hole that leads to a river. The police, instead of doing their job, are like, dynamite! And then he floats to a sailor in the middle of Illinois or Halloween H2O to Resurrection, where we are to believe that Michael Myers somehow foisted his mask and satanic mechanic suit onto an unsuspecting EMT who then does all of the things in that truck with Laurie Strode. Worse retcon for a sequel, this one or Halloween Resurrection? Ooh. I got to go with Resurrection because at least here I have the ability to explain away Popeye catching uh, Michael Myers (laughs) and bringing him back to life. It. now, let me let me stop you here for a sec, because this is wildly important to the episode that I want to deliver to our listeners. Um, This might be the most terrifying thing in the Halloween franchise that I had absolutely forgotten about. So Michael Myers is picked up by a sea dog, right? Essentially a, a fog style pirate man. Fucking Popeye. Who has a parrot sidekick, right? Yeah. It was like the actual I remember Popeye that part. and not Robin Williams. <laughs> More alcoholism. You know, olive oil left because he was roughing her up. Yeah. That kind of a Popeye. He even... So, <laughs> but this is a sailor who lives on a river in Illinois. My neighboring Midwestern state. Neither here nor there. What I had forgotten is that... <laughs> So <laughs> can't even get through it. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I just was running through the premise in my head trying to form a sentence. Can't even get through it. And almost choked on spit, right? That is the curse of the thorn right there. Holy shit. So <laughs> Michael Myers is caught on Halloween night by this old sea dog, right? We are the next time we see Michael Myers is Halloween Eve, <laughs> the next year, he's laying on a bed in his full satanic mechanic thing. His mask lovingly on a hook, looking at the bed. This is key to my my theory right now. Do you think we have a uh, Kill Bill pussy wagon scenario <laughs> for poor Mike Myers in this one? Because imagine this. This guy and Michael Myers went through a river winter in Illinois. What? What was happening in that one? I'll year? say this: there, if we do, there's a huge <laughs> missed opportunity online that there isn't a video of that scene, and you hear, <laughs> like, not that not being online is very upsetting. But I see what you're getting at here. I wonder uh, if Tarantino, sure. he's notorious for homaging things in his film. Maybe this was his homage in Kill Bill. Michael Myers was the bride. Perhaps I it's such a weird like. I don't know. It's like the I've never felt cheated more the, in my life than the fact that we got nothing from this sequence. Yeah. Of the four movies we've watched getting on number five. This is the weirdest opening for any Michael Myers movie ever. Like, again, we get this like sort of just drips <laughs> like this weird like floating down the river like. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Like, that's what I wanted to hear. Rather <laughs> so than... you think this is the graduate. So is he Dustin Hoffman? <laughs> yeah, this is like Dustin Hoffman when he like, when he like, he goes in like, he, he falls in the water. The like, seaside goes the... shanty is the back of the bus. 
Well, like, <laughs> he's just like, I have made a series of regrettable decisions. Like honestly, as he was floating down the river, I was, I was, <laughs> I swear to God, we were watching this today. I even wrote in my notes. I'm like, anybody else here in Scarborough Fair while he's like floating down the river? Are you the only living boy in Haddonfield? <laughs> to Haddonfield Fair. Past the sage rosemary. I didn't think we were going to get to Simon and G Funk. I'm super proud. What I'll tell you is that one, I thought they were setting us up for a Frankenstein, right? Me too. Michael Myers is brought in totally. by a blind man. He learns a little humanity and then he turns, right? The evil is built within him. Uh, that's not what happened. So I think instead of getting knowledge crammed into his skull, something else nefarious was happening. I think that's why the mask was positioned to watch the bed he was laying on. Mm-hmm gross uh secondly i really think this was an enormous missed opportunity where michael myers should have had that talking parrot as his sidekick for the whole movie (laughs) could you imagine (laughs) it's my niece it's my niece dr loomis lame the parrot is just talking us through all Maybe Michael's revenge is just him and that parrot chasing down the rapist uh, River Liver. Oh, my God. Yes, please. That actually, that's the fucking movie we should have gotten, man. How did the parrot not get a scene where it was talking to Michael Myers? That's insane. Oh, God damn. Yeah, this movie is like filled with little iconography like that. I'm just like, this whole thing is a missed opportunity. Something awesome. I literally, I remember that uh, a sea dog picked him up and nursed him back to health. Right. I forgot that the movie expected me to just say, for one year, Michael Myers did not move. (laughs) And I'm just supposed to not wonder what the fuck that guy's been doing for a year. I was reading, I was reading up on this and apparently the original (laughs) conceit was a lot about leading into what we get in Curse which is a lot of supernatural stuff. And it was supposed to be a guy. Cause like they had that little tease, that little tag at the end where uh, at the end of the little sequence where they show the like tattoo on his wrist. Um, yes. But that apparently was supposed to be a big part of this. Is there, there's the subplot. Cause there's the subplot obviously with like the man in the black and all that stuff. But like mm-hmm. it, it was supposed to be a much bigger part originally, I guess. And they just yeah. sort of trimmed it all out. Which... I would argue it is though. Right. Cause what it, this well, to me is the such supernatural a beautiful is. juxtaposition in what is great about a franchise and what is horrible about a franchise. Right. What is horrible is now you've led me to believe that Michael Myers was just the blow up doll for this sea dog for one year and didn't get a parrot out of it. <laughs> Meanwhile, everything that happens in Haddonfield in this film is literally impossible to accept based on what happened not one year ago. Oh, my God. So this is like the worst in franchise. But the best thing they added in the franchise is that just very cool imagery of the man in black and the Mm -hmm. curse of Thorn. Because now we are led to believe that there is this whole other expansive thing. Right. So as we are watching maybe the most redundant and derivative installation in this franchise, right? I guess you could argue part two maybe, but I would say that's where Michael begins to get supernatural. By this point on movie four of Michael Myers five of the series, this is the most derivative we've seen yet, right? right? Well, and it really is just doing Friday the 13th tropes. 
Yeah. That little addition, right, of just the man in black walking around and this and that adds a lot. Because now our minds are like, oh, fuck, what is all this mean? Well, So that is the best in franchise filmmaking to me. Well, and I think I I, I personally, I appreciate the queue up. Like, I think that's the kind of thing that I want to see. Like, more often than not, the repeat, like, because we found this with Friday the 13th. I mean, like, I don't really, like. Friday the Thirteenth had this pro- like had that kind of problem. Like by like, mm-hmm. I think by three, you and I were talking about this, being like, "This is kind of getting to be like the deal." I like no because that- part three re- part three kind of established the hockey mask. Sure, skanky but- teen- teenagers, right? And by like part five, you're like, "Jesus Christ!" Right, but like, like now- I like <laughs> I like that in Revenge of Michael Myers, we get the cue up because that's what I think is important. Is like. You get this thing in number two, and then it's obviously not even – there's nothing about it in um, Season of the Witch. And then four is four is more like retracing your steps. This is like queuing it back up because, like, again, like that's why we have another wonderful Donald Pleasance Loomis performance that's probably my favorite one of the entire, sh- the entire series by far. Like <laughs> – See, I like Loomis in four because Loomis in five, you're like, this guy should be put down like old yeller. That's why I love it so much. He's a menace. He's terrible. Like, he, if he wasn't an awful human being already, it's so much worse in Revenge of Michael Myers. Like, it's insane yeah. that he's still around. He's a real not good guy. No, but it's terrible. what I like about this one, right, because I did take some shots, and if I'm being honest, uh, this is the last of the Halloween movies we're covering. Mm-hmm. This, to me, is just a hair better than H2O, but essentially it's my second least favorite of the Halloween series. Understandable. Because, again, I think it does so little to add to. Mm-hmm. And we spend a lot of time, like, this is the movie they're like, hey, what if we just follow four random teenagers that have nothing to do with the story or Michael Myers? As they're adding all this cool curse and druid shit. Right. And Loomis is all the way off the deep end, right? He's literally riding the back of Moby Dick at this point. Right. Why are we doing these 30, 40-minute detours for these teenagers and the world's biggest dickhole cops, right? Oh, my God. So this this one falls a lot on those things. But what I really appreciate about Halloween 5, Revenge of Michael Myers, this is the first Halloween movie that set up one of the things that I think makes Halloween a little bit better than some of the other franchises. The Halloween movie gives us three to four movies where we actually sit and examine the grief of surviving one of these movies. Sure. So this is Jamie watching and surviving the grief, right? You could say to a lesser extent, curse of my or uh fucking what is it right the this is revenge the no 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 not revenge the curse of michael myers is a little bit about that right because again we see older jamie which is way more disgusting after you watch this one and all the implications yes and uh tommy doyle is paul rudd so you see some of that fallout loomis is in it again right um halloween h2o is a lot about the survivor's guilt you have a tiny bit at the start of Resurrection. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 is probably one of the more fascinating examinations of what it is like to survive a slasher movie. And most slasher movies just reset with random body count right. and teenagers and this stuff. This is one of the things Halloween does really well. And I think Jamie's performance at the start of this movie 
the duality of her and Loomis is beautifully played at the start of this movie, right? So I love the idea of Jamie being psychically bonded with her uncle. And on Halloween Eve, the scene when, when she sees him kill the salty old pussy wagon rapist, right? And she wakes up trying to scream and watching that cute little girl who we know is a fucking murderer from the last one. Right. Also a terrible retcon, right? That she's not a murderer. She's just a scissor stabber. But anyways, she is screaming into the dark, right? But has no voice, right? So it's this almost little mermaid-like setup where something of Jamie was lost in that that exchange, right? Her battle with Michael Myers took something from her. Right. And she hasn't gotten it back yet. And her screaming into the night and just, like, having these seizures, it's a really beautiful and powerful visual representation of this, the enormity of what she survived. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that Jamie is... I think Jamie next to... Jamie Lee, uh, sorry, I, I think uh, Danielle Lloyd is that a real name? I can't, I can never remember the actress's real name. But like, next to Jamie Lee Curtis, she turns in one of the best performances, and I think it's because in these movies, you if you're gonna have anyone survive a Michael Myers attack in these movies, <clears throat> those actors Danielle have Harris. To, what's that? Danielle Harris. Danielle Harris. Thank you. Like who also came back for both Rob Zombie movies. An integral part of Halloween's DNA. Right. I, but, I mean, I think that if you're going to have victims return for for, for next for next movies, because, like, Loomis doesn't count. But if you're going to have victims return for other movies, <laughs> Loomis is a whole other thing that we'll get to. <laughs> you have to give them what I think is probably the most intriguing thing about the Halloween franchise, which is give them actual resonance with what's happened to them because you're right the reset is a big problem with a lot of these movies like you just pick another group of dumb idiots to get killed i think Mm. what halloween does better than a lot of other horror franchises particularly slasher films is it actually explores a little more of the trauma there's like a lot of dna of there's a lot of dna of this movie and this like series particularly between like four and six in what i would say is like the basis for what scream does Scream does the exact same thing. Yeah. So, I would say Scream because it's a very meta. It feels different, right? To me. Sure. Absolutely. One of the great examples of this is uh, Friday the or Nightmare on Elm Street 3, right? Mm-hmm. So we take uh, Heather, who survived part one, and all of a sudden she appears in part three. And because of what she survived battling Freddy and losing her parents and having all that she is now a therapist who tries to help kids who are also fighting nightmares. Right. And again, comes face to face with Freddie. Now an older, more uh, seasoned woman, right? Trying to help these dream warriors. And it's so beautiful. It adds this whole extra layer, right? And watching Danielle Harris really struggling with this in this movie, though, it's not done as well as I would say Halloween H2O, right? Where we see Laurie Strode really, really grappling with it. Right. In Curse of Michael Myers, Tommy Doyle is not an okay human being because not of this, at all. Right? Uh, we see some really fucked up people, right? Uh, Jamie or uh, Lori in Halloween 2, the Rob Zombie one, right? She's really going off the deep ends, her and Annie, right? Danielle Harris as Jamie in this one is more used as a way to show us 
here is a girl that the system failed right spectacularly uh now watch them do even worse <laughs> that's what this one so her pain and trauma is essentially weaponized against everyone else in the town and if i had a big problem with this movie it's that after we get past this really fascinating intro of oh her sister's still trying to be a part of it her parents left town on halloween brilliant i don't understand why haddonfield doesn't have like a super lucrative hot air balloon business on halloween <laughs> every family just goes up in a hot air balloon and it's like we'll land three states over in the morning yeah like why anyone is still here why they're having these parties none of this makes sense right well like they bring and it then up we just say let's do the detour where here's two friends that we don't care about and two douche boyfriends and two keystone cops yeah in care about this movie for 35 minutes which is almost impossible to do right so essentially like the first 20 minutes until rachel gets killed mm -hmm. nothing good happens in this movie again until jamie walks up into that attic essentially or right. at least nothing that matters to me because i'm like i don't care about it's kind of weird because it's so funny this was the movie that made me think oh shit why are Halloween fans not fighting the way Star Wars fans are, right? Right. We want more Skywalkers, right? The Skywalkers are the Myers, right? <laughs> and some of us just want extra stories in the Star Wars universe. We want more Thorns. We don't care if it's the Myers, right? Right. But I was like, oh, my God, this is like the Star Wars movie where it's like, uh, we've had enough of them Skywalking Myerses, right? <laughs> Let's go kill blonde girl and guy who has the worst laugh ever and dresses as Michael Myers and car guy oh man that car guy oh god that guy's the mvp of this movie for screaming shout or he's for shouting what as loud as humanly possible over his car thinking that like for hearing those girls yell at him from across like a park and going what that was the most amazing play, thing i've ever seen the car guy actually plays two really important parts in this movie one he gets the the garden hoe to the face which is fantastic kill awesome kill he also lets you know that Tina, our good friend who breaks into the hospital to see Jamie and brings the dog, Max, and still goes and sees Jamie, but she's like, hey, sometimes you meet someone that makes you feel special, like car guy, and you have to go get drunk and fuck him, even though he's the worst human being of all time. Yes, yes, he is. And the moment she says that and leaves... Jamie, who, by the way, has refound her voice and is screaming for her to stay. You say, oh, I hope she dies worse than every character in a Saul movie. <laughs> so they just let you know right away because of Tina's choice in men. Wildly expendable to the film, which is strange. The cool thing. There is a cool thing that happens in this segment, though. Which is I like the Shrek 2 journey that Michael Myers is on. So Michael Myers is watching these kids at a liquor store, right? And he's like, wow, right. look at that fucking cool car. The guy with the jacket, he's like, maybe I could have been a cool guy instead of getting, you know, diddled by a fucking salty dog for a year. Right. He's like, maybe I could have been a cool kid, right, with a cool car, right? And he walks up, he steals the car, and they provide him this disgustingly human mask, yes. right? And so while we see the man in black drifting through the shadows as Michael Myers normally is. Right. Michael Myers is having 
a simulation of a relationship while driving in his car and being a creep and looking like Shrek from Shrek 2. It's amazing. It is... It's the weird. <laughs> it's so because again, weird. this is the moment where you're like, this has nothing to do. It's so weird. And now they're telling us that Jamie's more important because of the thorn. Let's detour for a date. It's so in the farm. It's so weird because it, it honestly does two things. I thought about this today. Like for one, it <laughs> kind of like fully violates most of the rules that have been set up about who Michael Myers is at this point, but. It doesn't violate the rules that you and I have discussed at this point, which is that he's a calculating son of a bitch, that guy. Like, he has a lot yeah. of gags set up, and that's one of them. So, why he, did he slam on the brakes so she could buy smokes? I don't know. Maybe he was, maybe he was he trying to feel human? Was he trying to get rid of this thorn curse he has? That's the thing. Because this movie sets up that whatever is fueling Michael Myers can be. Because we thought it was passed on to Jamie. Right. Maybe, and I thought about this, maybe because Jamie doesn't complete the murder, that's why it returns to Michael somewhat, right? Right. So if Jamie would have killed her mom with the scissors, which would have been way cooler, uh, since she didn't, this is why Michael's reengaged. Right. And maybe now that Michael has spent a year getting diddled by the salty dog and imagining what it'd like to be a real boy again pinocchio style pinocchio style right a real boy and not a donkey perhaps in that moment he's like girlfriends am i right <laughs> women can't live with them and they can't be standing up am i right that's what michael's saying to himself. <laughs> and then he sees the cop and drives away and he's like wow i had a real american boy moment it's a really very strange thing to add to this film it is it's a weird sequence and to me it doesn't fit at all with other movies we've seen but i know why it's in there which is because it is what's expected from these kinds of slasher movies like you were like we were talking about this one is the first but see, of these this Halloween one doesn't movies. end in a slash, so that one's weirder. But that's what I'm saying is like these movies borrow from each other a lot, and like it's interesting to watch this movie in comparison to like the first two because the first two are just so much on their own. Like they are the original movie, like them. So it's weird to watch movies that kind of, in a way, originated a lot of pieces of iconography from this to borrow from a completely for a whole from a whole nother set of movies because honestly like this isn't right Michael, well, like, well sean cunningham it's said just weird to me it's not a michael when he Myers made friday the 13th right well yeah sean cunningham said we wanted to make our halloween and they made friday the 13th right by this point now halloween is stealing from friday the 13th right, right. the boyfriend with the car getting killed that is a friday the 13th kill mm -hmm. right the couple fucking in the barn and then getting stabbed by the pitchfork. Friday the 13th. That's a hall. That is a Friday the 13th kill. The two cops who investigate the house to fucking slide whistles and uh, fucking fart sounds. <laughs> that those are Friday the 13th characters and have nothing to do with the Halloween universe. Right. I will say this. I said. This movie cheats us twice. This movie cheats us twice, twice really bad. 
One, I want to spend that year, right? Like Rob Zombie. I want to do a 50-minute opening of Michael Myers' hellish life trapped inside this body. Uh, you know, being John Myers, bitch. Right. I want to watch what happened to Michael, right? In graphic, horrible detail so I can see the depth of his pain. Two, because maybe it was nice. Maybe just fed him soup and read him like the traveling sister pants or whatever. And it was really nice and sweet. Maybe it was a bonding moment that makes Michael more nefarious. Or it was a, get the Vaseline in my car keys. Maybe it was that. I want to know. But it cheated us a second time. Because there's a scene where Michael Myers kills the fucking uh, comedy cops who aren't funny at all. Right. And just have fucking slide whistles and harmonica sound effects. And every time he slashes, it goes, whoop. <laughs> so every time he stabs them or something, goes, whoop. You know, like, so it's like a, it's like a Gallagher show of sound effects as their watermelon bodies. I'm dying laughing. So as their watermelon bodies are going, right? Every time those guys get stabbed, you do like a a bad morning radio show guy sound effect. That would have been great. Yes. Right. He stabs the guy three times, and it's like. DJ Khaled. <laughs> we got cheated twice in this movie very badly. Definitely have been cheated twice, particularly with the Keystone Cops. <laughs> I don't understand. But that's what I mean. Now now Halloween is stealing from Friday the 13th, right? But so if you look at that very last bit in the attic and then you look at the opening, you're like, this is what Halloween does well. Right. The entire hour in the middle is just a knockoff of Friday the 13th. Except for, God bless him. Except for Donald Pleasance as Loomis, which is my Fucking favorite DP, bro. Favorite Loomis performance because he's again. We talked about in, we talked about yesterday. Like Loomis is a dick. Nobody wants to be around him. He hates everybody. He's a fucking pain in the ass. They literally, like. Like we said yesterday, the guy literally sits there and goes, he'll either retire or die. Who knows? Either one works for me. Like, yeah. they hate him. He's Hate him. He's fully unhinged in this movie to the point where it's almost dangerous for Jamie in particular. There's the scene where he pretty much full-on assaults a nine-year-old. Uh, he's just smacking her shoes off he, as her nurse is like, dear God, I hope this Smacking her leaves. shoes off and, like, grabbing her mouth like, tell me where he is. He's so crazy in this movie, but it's he's so, so vile. It's amazing. He, but, yes, because as we watch him assault a child, and there's even that moment where they open up on Jamie's having a seizure, and they're like, we got to cut her throat open. Yeah. And Loomis just pops in. You're like, where the fuck were you hiding? He's hiding in the broom closet? He's he never goes, left there. Doubt, doubt. She has something to tell us. And you're like, what? She doesn't speak. And the doctor even says, all I know is that you wanted this girl to die. So it tells you how not only the salty sea dog has been nefarious this last year. Loomis been fucking around, right? Loomis been fucking about. This guy's unstable. But there is this, because this is the thing you're like, as long as he monologues, are we okay with the child abusing? Because he just goes, I hoped. He's like, look at me. He pulls up his like burnt hand. It's like I had hoped Michael would burn in hell, but I knew hell wouldn't knew have, hell him. Would I was not like, have him. Yeah! <laughs> like it's 
it's so weird. It's so like this girl is seizing weird because he has time. Donald Pleasance, right? I am an Illuminati, is what I'll call Ooh, myself. Nice. I'm an Illuminati. Nice. I am so in love with Loomis. He's always been my favorite horror movie character ever. And while doing this series, I've had to confront some hard truths. That he's a total piece of shit. He's kind of a piece of shit, but I think that makes him better. He's the, not a white knight. This is he's a rough, right. rough soul well, who's I mean, been it abused. Puts him on the same. He he is what is left of like the fucking five week old play doh that you didn't put the lid on and he's all fucking crusty and dried out. Well, what's good is it puts him on the same playing field as Michael. So like when you see them go blow, like when you see him come to blows, you're not like, well, honestly, if either of these guys die, we'll be okay. Like it doesn't really matter at this point. Someone's when Michael life, assaults him and cuts his belly again. <laughs> But no, listen, when Michael cuts his belly again, you're like, Loomis, there are easier ways to kill yourself for the love of fucking God. I mean, this is the thing that I love is this is the thing I love about these movies is between these two guys. There's at least one character who's like, honestly, if it goes, if you know, if they kill each other, great. If one of them gets killed, that's, you know, no skin off my back. You know what I mean? Like there's one character who's just begging for one of them to get iced at this point. But well, you know what my favorite addition to the Loomis mythology was in this? Is uh, they did this old house with your host, fucking Donald <laughs> Loomis or Dr. Loomis, right? Yes. Where I was like, I would imagine every day is like, is it my lunch break? I only eat misery. I know where the finest sides are served. And it's just Loomis fucking glimping his ass around the Myers house, monologuing every day. Michael, have you come home? Does evil have a home? Or is the home of evil? In all of our hearts. I don't know. I'm just here for the seasoned curlies. <laughs> right? Like, I am just walking through the house monologuing. Oh, yeah. I was like, he does this shit I mean, every I, day. I love it when he speaks. I love it. Anytime you get to see a good Donald Pleasance monologue, that's like, that's the sweet spot in these movies for me. Like when he talks to the woods, knowing full well Michael's not there, but he just yes. gives his, he's just staring at the woods like, well, dude, how about that when he's like, Y'all want little girls? You know where to find me. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing, Loomis? But there's something. This movie also has an enormous. Why are the cops just complicit? Not in only his that, crimes? but like the cops know they're complicit. <laughs> they bring it up. They're like, well, yeah. we're inept, you know? And I'm like, don't say that. Because now I know it's a fucking thing, man. But. Well, I like to think. I like to think they added the fucking banana slide whistle cops specifically to explain away the scene when they're like, everyone's already dead at the asylum. Let's send all 25 of the Blues Brothers style police brigade over to the asylum and leave just one really nice cherubic deputy at this. House. <laughs> I actually really like the scene where, uh, they're outside the party and they see, they literally see Michael Myers drive in. It ends up being the boyfriend, but like they literally like, well, that doesn't seem dangerous. Should we play crazy eights? I'm like, good Lord. It's just too. He walks up to their car. He walks right up to the car. Carrying a bloody scythe. And they're like, hey, someone will get their eye poked out with that. But the cops actually say like, good thing we're not really good cops. Yeah, I know. Because there's the classic white privilege scene where they're, imagine this. So fucking Tina 
Dina. Is friends with Jamie and Rachel. It has been but one year since their town and family was ravaged by the horror that is Michael Myers. Right. Uh, little Jamie still can't talk. She's still in an asylum. Not that you would know it because they parade her out for Halloween costumes to have seizures and then let her walk <laughs> out the door and walk 85 miles to a farm. Right. Neither here nor there. So Tyna is like, you know, it'd be hilarious to get the fucking dickhole with the worst laugh in the movie to pretend he's Michael Myers and see if I could get a cop to shoot him. <laughs> if this were the real world, those cops definitely would have shot, shot him. the Skeletor cackle guy. Absolutely. Because where do you even get a Michael Myers Halloween costume in Haddonfield after the third fucking time he's... Uh, this is only the second time in four movies he's committed these atrocities. It's unbelievable. But I... Okay. So you have, you have citizens who are throwing bricks through a little girl's window saying the evil child must die. They know that she tried to kill the same way her uncle did, right? Right. There are still parents that leave their house and or farm to, open for teenagers to go fuck and do drugs and go party. go fucking party. <laughs> Haddonfield, I feel like, exists in a time loop where, like, the next morning after uh, – Halloween, they forget that Halloween happened. So, like, they wake up. <laughs> they wake up on November first. Like, like a weird. Boy, I can't wait for Halloween next year. <laughs> but they like completely it's have like forgotten. A weird the leave it to happened. Beaver thing, and they're like, yeah. So you start leave it to Beaver, right? The Beaver's sitting there, right? And he's like, boy, Dad, I'm real happy to go get some candy today. And the dad's like, surely they can't have a massacre two years right. in a row. That's not the American dream. And then he's like. Get my coffee over here, bitch, to his wife who has no rights because it's Leave it to Beaver. You know what? I I actually want to see – I was actually just thinking about this. I want to see a Halloween where they address the fact that Haddonfield is actually like the dark city and dark city. And yeah. Michael Myers – Oh, my God. And Michael Myers is actually one of those alien guys who just constantly no, remakes Haddonfield. He's Kiefer. He's Kiefer. That's why he wears the mask. <laughs> Because he's got that droopy eye. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's what I want. I want to have about when Michael took the mask off and you're like, I will say this. I was like, man, when Michael took his mask off, I was like, that guy combs his ponytail a lot. Yes. That is some good ponytail hair. Also, we're skipping ahead, though. Also, first actor in the series to have uh, black hair. Is it really? I thought it was light brown. Wow. I did not know that. Look at that. Um, Let's think about what else happened in this segment of the movie that's even worth discussing. I actually think there's something really important uh, we have to discuss, and that is... To, really? Okay, hit me. What did I forget? To identify... I have been drinking a hair, as both of us have, yes. because it's been a rough night. It has. But so if I miss something, there is there is something that I do want to address that we haven't like you came up. The Loomis naughty is good, but we need to talk about this. Donald Pleasance's performance as Dr. Loomis has now transcended. Five movies, four, mm -hmm. sorry, four movies, four movies. Mm -hmm. So uh, to this point. So and then he's in he's in a fifth one after. Then this. he's in the fifth and then he's in six for a little bit after this. But like he's transcended these movies now. But this performance is so particular and so unhinged 
And I absolutely yeah. love it every single time. But there is something about it that I feel has been borrowed by other actors, particularly like I think about there's ways Donald Pleasance presents lines that sound like Stellan Skarsgård. So I feel like other actors have actually watched <laughs> Donald Pleasance in these movies and borrowed from him. So I need to figure out a good way to, to put what it is about Donald Pleasance's performance, what they're barring. Like, are they, uh, you know, pleasantists? Is it an ism? Is it an ist? What kind of actors? I would call it looming. Looming? I would call it looming. But looming is already a thing. Oh, looming is looming. an event. What about a loomist? But, but that's the thing. When you tell when you tell people like, hey, that guy's looming, they're not that's not a thing that anyone cares. They would call it creeping now, right? Right. Kids yeah, call exactly. It so now. could you say maybe we like, could we could retake looming. Maybe like Stellan Skarsgard. Like Stellan Skarsgard is the one I keep coming to because I like I remember like watching him like his like gruff demeanor in Chernobyl reminded me of yeah. Dr. Loomis. I'm like <laughs> What a weird poll, yeah. I know. But no, see, I would say there in every movie there's a, hey, there's an old person who knows what you're fighting and will tell you exactly what you're fighting. Right. Uh, you know, so we can move the fucking right. plot along Are and they, the audience can know. Perhaps That's looming. Perhaps the but see looming maybe it's a loomist. They're the loomist of the movie. They're the loomist. Okay. Looming sure. looming is a thing. You can loom over someone. Well, I would say we should change the definition. To You're this saying we're just changing the. De- I can get along. With, I can get on board with that. We're, we're looming. stealing the word because looming is creeping. All right, so we assign kids have changed the definition. All right, so now whenever we see actors do what it is that Donald Pleasance is, which by the way is almost indescribable, it's just it is what it is. It's Donald Pleasanceness. Right. He they're looming. That's perfect. I right. Like the that. same way that if you are baffled. You are Freddie Prinz. Ah, yes. You're FP right? Jang. That's We're for changing sure. that. Yeah. When you stare slack-jawed at something and can't comprehend or summon an emotion, that is to be prinzed. True. All right. This is good. All right. Yeah. So anytime you're doing whatever it is that Donald Luma, Donald Pleasance does, you're looming. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that... We'll carry this on. What is really fun is that after Donald Pleasance, you saw a... It is kind of the same way that in sci-fi movies, right? Because Star Wars was a fantasy movie disguised as sci-fi, and they right. did the wise old mentor. Mm-hmm. You saw this rash of Obi-Wan characters, right? Right. Loomis became kind of that. The problem is that Loomis is not that at all. He is no. He is a wild Ahab. He's insane. No, and he's I think an Ahab. at the end of the movie, what's really funny is that at the end of the movie, I think that's the first time we've seen Donald Pleasance happy in the whole movie my argument is is that donald pleasance actually orgasmed and died in this movie and that curse of michael myers retconned it right right because when he took that sweet he's sweet already orgasm been slashed away. up in his belly and he's like ah he was like monologuing with michael right michael and this is the thing he says a thing that he can't possibly know and is baffling especially if you count part six as part of this story when he's like She's can takes your pain away. She knows how to do it. I don't know why I'm Werner yeah, Herzog. Why are you again. doing Werner Herzog again? She's can takes your pain away. Not that pain is a real thing. Every filmmaker must experience the pain or else the film is just empty and hollows. It doesn't matter. But anyways, he's telling Michael Myers this, right? And he's like, ah! He gets the belly slice, right? And smash through a fucking window only to limp his sad fucking California raisin ass back for the, the next scene. 
<laughs> and he he grabs Jamie and he goes, "You wanna come get out?" Now he's doing like fucking Dog Day Afternoon, yeah. Donald Pleasant. Oh yeah. And he's like, "Let's play a game called Catch the Girl." And you're like, "Oh my god!" He's out. And of especially because what he's saying mixed with that coffin and soft lighting up in the attic, you're like, "Oh god!" I know how Michael gets rid of the rage, and this is vile shit. So your mind is running amok, right? Loomis catches him in the chain net. I'm like, when the fuck did you set that up? Jesus Christ. And he starts beating Michael to death. And he's like, die, die. And it's awesome. Right. But then he goes, die. Oh, oh, oh. That is when he definitely fills his khakis. His dockers are moistened. He's he, like, I've done it. That's when he definitely and he falls. Dude, he falls and lands face to face. In the never been kissed two shot on top of Michael Myers. Oh, that's true. It's kind of sweet when you think about it. Yeah. Donald Pleasance also loosed his rage. That's true. Upon his dockers. That's why that's why he wears that, that's why he wears that overcoat so he can hide everything. <laughs> that's why he wears he wears the flasher jacket. The flasher duster. Yep. That's exactly why. Because he wants to <laughs> He pulls it he pulls it forward like Bella Lugosi and he's got a fucking uh Gallagher splash guard. Yep. No, no, he he tucks it he tucks it up in his belt loop. That's why. Oh, that's all gross. But yeah, I think because they has that weird pause, and I'm like, are we to believe he had a heart attack, or is his soul connected to Michael's, or did he nut and he just fell and stared lovingly into his number one love of his entire human life, Michael Myers' eyes, which I think he did. I think Michael Myers was his all-consuming reason for being. And I loved it, and I was like, that's a really poetic ending, right? Minus the Donald Pleasance being stuck to Michael Myers. Right. They immediately ruin it one second later when Michael Myers is just, like, looking around the cell. Like, he's on the green mile. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You should have had him and Pleasance stuck together in a corner. Come on, man. Like, there's a great moment. There's another great opportunity for Donald Pleasance to do his thing, and they just took it away, man. Very upsetting. Yeah. Well, we learn in part six that uh, Pleasant survived, but I actually like the idea that as Michael is dying, Loomis lets go, man. Yeah. His little fucking angry salt spritzed out, and he, he goes on to a less fucking rageful place. He goes and burns in hell if they'll have him, right? <laughs> like all these terrible characters will. I thought that I love Loomis in this movie. I love Donald Pleasance in all of these movies, and I think other than... Robert England, he does the most to elevate his franchise of any actor in a horror movie. I would actually, I lie. I would say it's there are a couple, right? Because the pantheon would be Robert England, Donald Pleasance, Tony Todd as the Candyman, Bradley Dorf as Chucky, right? Those are like my Warwick Davis as Leprechaun, right? Those are like the big ones that really add a huge amount that would be impossible to place in a franchise to me or replace. Right. Right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this final attic moment. Let's get to the Myers family ending. Cause this is a lot to take in. There's a lot going on in this moment. Like, what do you make of this moment? I mean, I don't really know, to be honest with you. Like <laughs> it's right. Staged bodies. It's just so much. Like, it's sort of this weird, like, 
I don't know. Like when we got there, I was like, this feels more present, even for a guy like Michael Myers, who we've seen be very presentational at this point. It felt almost too much for Mike, for Michael Myers. This felt intimate, which based in the context of what we're doing here is really vile and scary. It feels very it. Yes. But something about it also feels. I don't know. It felt very strange to me. Like, I just. It's also weird to see a nine year old girl crawl into a coffin and just want it to be over. Yeah. This this scene to me gets at what Halloween does. Well, is that in Halloween versus the other franchises, the horror is so personal. And again, they play a lot with this bloodline. And I think the curse of the thorn is a fun way to extrapolate on this. The horror is kind of based on the blood and something is there. But this the intimacy of this scene with these two characters, right? Because we just went through this god awful, horrendous segment. Right. Of Michael Myers slowly driving a car through trees. He hits a fucking tree and explodes. They did have the cool gag where the horn stops blaring. Anyways, stupid fucking moment. Terrible. I don't want to see Michael Myers drive a car like every fucking middle-aged guy. Terrible, terrible, horrible bottom of the pits of the Halloween franchise. Right. And then we saw Jamie in the fucking laundry chute. Horrible, wasteful amount of screen time. So fucking boring. When we get up to that attic, though, now you're like, oh, fuck. Now they're dropping the Halloween energy on us, right? Right. And it's so there's Rachel, your sister, who's gone. It reminded me a little bit. It was almost as if he was doing like a hereditary style <laughs> diorama of, hey, this is what I did to become evil. Now you can, too. But this one has some really cool moments. Right. So Jamie goes in the coffin willingly. Weird that Michael even got a nine year old coffin and all this shit. And she said she calls him Uncle Boogeyman. Mm -hmm. Right. He, he pauses. Let me see. And he takes the fucking mask off, man. There's something so extra about that. And then the super close up on Michael's single tear. Yeah. This scene really fucked with me in the head a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's again, I, I this is why I don't understand it at all. And I feel like it's kind of, I don't know why like the single tear. I agree. Like, I, honestly, I spent like the better half of the afternoon today trying to figure out what I blocked out a lot of this other movie we had to watch today, mainly because I was focusing on trying to figure out why it happened, because it's just such a strange thing to me, because this is a character who we've who's not an un cold, unfeeling killing machine, but pretty close to it. You know, I would say he absolutely is. He's never shown a bit of emotion other than I mean, this, right? Other than maybe like not wanting to get his mask pulled off in the first one. I, I don't. But that's more of like a ah, I'm exposed. It's not right. But I mean, it's still some form of emotion. This one is like I don't know. It's strangely maybe this is the part where maybe this is Michael Myers rel yeah. relieved of the thorn curse for a moment perhaps that's what i this scene to me is the revenge of michael myers okay this is him for one moment not stabbing her or doing whatever he's supposed to do to complete the bloodline which is weird because we learn in part six he just is 
continuing the bloodline with her as the mother, which is super fucking horrible and uncomfortable. Right. And in the last one, we thought he was passing it off. If that's not the case, he is supposed to kill her. His rage will subside and he will be able to rest. The revenge of Michael Myers might be that one tier because until other than Rob Zombie's Halloween one and two, they do a lot of work to bring Michael Myers back to a man, right? right. All the Halloween movies make him this preternatural, right? Whether it's lifting a nurse up by a scalpel all the way to Halloween H2O and the dumbest shot in franchise history where Michael Myers is just crossfitting one-armed pipe Ramboing himself. Right. They try everything they can to let you know this is not a man. This is not a human. There's nothing. Loomis even says to the sheriff earlier in this movie, you didn't see his eyes. Oh, I saw his eyes. There's nothing there. I don't know why he's Crocodile Dundee now. There's nothing there. There's not an eye. This an eye. Anywho, this time we get an extreme close-up of his fucking eye. And there is something there. There's an actual eyeball that looks human. And a sad fucking tear. And maybe, just maybe, that one small 30 seconds to one minute of the film is the revenge of Michael Myers. That's what let Jamie escape this. Whatever horrible ritual is supposed to happen, maybe that is what lets her escape, if only for a very brief moment that night. Because we know it doesn't go well as we start part six. I mean, I can buy that. That makes more sense to me. I thought it was super cool, man. But that's... That's what I get to because, again, that took me back to, like, Friday the 13th Part 2. Right. Where you take this big slasher, oh, they're slutty kids and hot kids and we'll kill them. And then you say, oh, man, this is just a guy who's, like, deformed and has a shrine to his mom, right? Right. This is where Michael Myers is a human again. And I would say it's the one minute of the film he's an actual human being. The first one starts, he's already made the choice by the time he's POVing. In the very first frames of Halloween, he's not a human again until Rob Zombie gets his hands on. Right. Right. And then in the 2018 version, no human. So this one minute is all we got for nine fucking movies of a little bit of humanity inside of the fucking mechanic suit. I mean, I could buy that. I think that that makes more sense than just, I don't know. That makes more sense to me than, oh, family. Like that. (laughs) because I feel like that's what the moment's supposed to be. And to me, I like the idea that more it's Michael Myers actually being a person again, again, for like a minute. Yeah. Maybe that is exactly what it's supposed to be. And maybe for some reason he's like, fuck, she called me uncle. She reached out and somehow found something in him, whether it was her or because he saw Lori or Judith, who knows? Right. Well, for one minute, the man who dug up the grave and filled this attic with dead bodies and a dead dog was like, wow, oh man, God, not dude. cool. So many dead not dogs cool. in these fucking movies. Jesus Christ. It is the thing I hate most about Halloween, man. Stop so killing many fucking dogs. dogs. It's not a story device. I hate it. Wildly <laughs> unnecessary. But yeah, I mean, I think that that yeah, I, I like that moment as a beat for this movie anyways, because again, it. It gives you a little more. It gives you a little more flavor than I think the previous movie did, and definitely, yeah, a little more than you got on Halloween too. So, this movie essentially is an absolute bland and flavorless affair. Yes, and other than Loomis and this moment, they find a. 
I would again the opening with Loomis and uh, Jamie. Great. Loomis and Jamie have storyline coming out of their ass. Absolutely. But we decide to not spend time with them for four fucking dumbass teenagers that no one cares about and two dumb right. cops. Well, we spend less time with them for some reason because we're not making this. They're trying to not make this a pursuit movie about Loomis. They're trying to make this not Moby Dick, even though it's literally right. a magnum opus of Moby Dick. Yes, because Loomis and the man in black should be racing with Jamie in tow against Michael. Right. right? And so if I this is where maybe Halloween had started to sag, right? You got killed on Halloween three. Halloween 4, maybe people are like, I don't know if it's as good. In uh. Halloween 5 is where they said, we have this really cool story, right? The Thorn, Loomis is all the way fucking mad. Jamie is now dealing with true guilt, right? right? And these are all great new additions to the series. And they said, but let's waste one hour of this movie doing a really shitty Friday the 13th movie. It's yeah. really stupid, for the vast majority of the film, and it's such a fucking bummer, because when this movie's good, it's doing the Halloween movie as good as almost all of them do it. Yes. We just have to waste the entire middle section of the movie doing jack shit. It's a weird choice, and I think you and I can both agree that it sucks for about an hour. Yeah, but the, there is literally an hour of this movie you could throw out and it does not change the narrative of the film right. for one second. And that is the truest sign of a shitty film. But you do get this. Not a shitty film. But that's you do mean, get but. this minute of really great addition to yes. the mythos. And that's it right. makes it, it makes it very worthwhile. But that's what I mean. If this wasn't a Halloween film. No one would make it past the one hour. Absolutely. You would turn this film off. And that's what is really hard is because I think they deliver some of the more interesting and cool Halloween stuff that definitely became the connective tissue to curse of Michael Myers. Totally. And somewhat stayed with us all the way through every Halloween afterwards. Right. And Donald Pleasant's last really good performance. Yes. Because in Curse, he's just not doing the exact same. It's not really Loomis again. You know what I mean? Right. It's the very last ride of Loomis. Yeah, it's post-Loomis. Yeah, and so you're wasting so much of the good. And again, Daniel Harris as Jamie is so fucking good in these two movies. Yeah. It's a shame and that... it's amazing that she got to come back for the Rob Zombies. Right. And have such a nice kind of capper revision of this so i don't know man but that's what i mean when it's at its very best this film is so yeah. fucking good when it's at its best it's among the best halloweens but unfortunately oh, it yeah. has an hour that just kills it yeah it has one hour of the worst friday the 13th movie buried in the middle where it's essentially unwatchable and that kills me because even halloween h2o which I think is worse than this movie because they don't find anything interesting past Lori's grief. Right. Right. At least, I mean, even that one is pretty streamlined, right? They don't detour into another movie. No. I mean, that so that's one is the, that's that one the is weird a part of this one. That one is the true, that one's a true blue slasher. Yeah. 
this yeah i don't know yeah this this has always been a mixed one for me and this is why when they got to curse which people almost universally hate i was really glad for curse because it added more weird yeah it added more weird and it added more things that felt like michael myers to me i agree right and same with h2o and resurrection and this and that this is to me where they had lost total faith in what they were doing and it's sad because it felt like they were right there, right? Like maybe one more rewrite. I think that the, away from having a really spectacular entry. Well, I think this one is where they found out what people went to the movies for and decided that yeah. that was what they were going to make. And I think that's the fatal flaw in any of the Halloween movies we've watched because they weren't trying to just make another addition to the story. Instead, they were trying yeah. to do what people wanted. And I think that's the thing about all the Halloween movies, but particularly five is like, it's so obvious and clear when you watch the revenge of Michael Myers, that they're trying really hard to please everyone. And that's just not what these movies are about. Yeah. No. And that's what, that's the hard part. Again, like I said, this movie is a masterclass in, what are the advantages of a franchise and what are the fucking weaknesses? And this is an absolute make these two neighbors and see which one's yard dies first. And then the gunfire starts. Yes, it is fascinating. Uh, all right, guys, that's it for the revenge of Michael Myers tomorrow. Tommy Doyle has his fucking yes, curse kind of on curse of Michael Myers, a very strange. And I would say too maligned, entry into the halloween series Agreed. um guys we thank you so much we know that these octobers are a lot of content we hope that you guys have as much fun with them as we do we put a lot of work into them and it means the world to us that you guys are as excited about these movies as we are as always please take a second and leave us a rating and review email the show philmalchemistpod at gmail.com follow and subscribe to our youtube channel nerd alchemist and you can find us on every social media site that you're on. We love nothing more than communicating with people who listen to this show. Thank you guys so much. Download all the other shows from the rest of this month uh, before and those coming ahead. Again, especially those that have guest hosts because they were so oh spectacular. This all month. of them were fucking awesome. Just literally a murderer's row of awesome like, Thorn-style murder bots. They were so good. Like, Rob's was great. There are more coming that are even better. Even Rob's other you one is even guys, better. You guys are in for a real treat. You have heard some and more good ones to come. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Green. I'm Alex Dandy.